Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis 3. We are... We were doing a series in Nehemiah, but uh, we are going to take a little four-week break uh, and spend some time thinking about Christmas. And the series is called, if we go back, it's called Four Women and the Savior, Seeing the Faithfulness of God Through Their Lives. And we're just going to look at four ladies in the Bible and just how God worked through them uh, to bless us. All the ladies should say what? All the ladies should say? All right, four women and the Savior. And today we're looking at Eve and the Savior. Eve and the Savior. And uh, we sing this a lot, and I heard this a lot growing up. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So I heard that all the time in church. And growing up, I grew up in, in church, even though I didn't come to the faith until I was 25 or whatever it is. And for a while, I, like, I didn't really get it. And we sing it a lot in our church now, but the reason why we sing it and the reason why we should continue singing it and the reason why you should be blessed when we sing it is because it's true. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And today we are going to look at one verse, Genesis 3.15, and then we're going to trace the thread of that verse. There's going to be a, lot of, a bunch of references coming at you. We're going to trace the thread of that verse from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and what you're going to see and what I hope you see and feel as you leave here is that God has been faithful to us, even though we are not always Faithful. I want you to leave today singing, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Here's the first thing I want you to know. God is faithful. He told us Jesus would come. God is faithful. He told us that Jesus would come. It says in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. God here is speaking to the serpent. And he is speaking to him a word of judgment for his part in leading humanity into rebellion. All you got to do is look back at verse 14. The Lord said to the serpent, and the serpent here represents Satan. Genesis, or Revelation 12, my bad, verse 9 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. And God says, I will put enmity between your offspring and her offspring. So what God says here is there's going to be strife between Satan and the child, the offspring of Eve. What he says here is someone is coming to undo the damage done by our sin and by Satan. God makes that 
promise. And I want you to know he doesn't just say it once. He says it multiple times. In Genesis 22, verse 17, says to Abraham, to Abraham, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. Your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, God says to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from you, your body, and, he sh- and I will establish his kingdom. I want you to notice that they keep saying offspring, not offsprings. Talking about one person. God built anticipation. He made this promise and then he kept his word. Galatians 3 16, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is, you say it, who is Christ? God makes this promise and then he keeps his word. And here's where it comes. Here's where it's going to bless you. If it hasn't blessed you already, here's where it should bless you. Because of this offspring, now you're an offspring. Have you ever thought about that? You're like, prove it to me, Marv. Fine. Uh, Galatians 3.16, do we have it? Sorry. No, next one, yeah. 3.29. If you're in Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. From the very beginning, what I'm trying to show you is God had a plan to bring you back into the family. God had a plan to rescue you and make you a child of the king. God had a plan to make sure that there is a blessing coming to you at the end of your life. From the very beginning, he said there was a mess that was made and God stepped in and he said, I'm going to fix that mess that was made by sin and Satan because this is my world, this is my people, these are my children and I'm not gonna leave them by themselves, I'm going to bring them in. And I'm going to bless them and help them. And here's the thing. Now, as a child of God, do you know that God is continuing to be faithful to you? Do you know that God is continuing every day to be faithful to you? Here's how. God is continuing to guide you every day. He guides us by the Spirit. That's why the Scriptures say, keep in step with the Spirit. Follow the leading and the prompting of the Spirit. That is how God guides us away from sin and temptation. God tells us, pick up the word, read the scriptures, let it speak into your life. That is the way he guides you to the, through the challenges and the confusing things that come up in your life. God says, join a community, be there, let the people get to know you, tell them what's going on in your life, help one another, speak the truth in love, help one another walk through all that is coming. God guides us through the, through the scriptures through the spirit and through the saints. God is faithful to you and to me all the time. Here's the next way God is faithful to you. He is sanctifying us through the hills and the valleys of life. And aren't there valleys sometimes? We love the mountaintop. I know I do. I'll just speak for myself. But it's tough down there in the valley. It's tough when hard things come. But even in that, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does the Bible say? You are with 
me, sanctifying me, refining me, all these little things. You, here's the thing. When you are trapped in sin for a long time, there's all kinds of bad habits. There's all kinds of bad thoughts. There's all kinds of bad decisions that sort of get tied to us. And God says when he brings us in, he puts us and allows us tough things to come to refine us and work those things off. You are being sanctified. God is say, looking at you and he's saying, I am using this to make you become the person you were meant to be. The person I created you to be, but sin has distorted. And sanctification and the discipline of God is tough. It's hard. But God's like, it's for your good. It's because I love you. And I want you to walk right. And here's the other thing. God is guiding us. He is sanctifying us. And he will glorify us. It says, when you see him, we just sung in a song that Jesus came once and he will come again. The Bible says, when you see him, you will be made like him. No more struggle with sin. No more broken bodies. No more confused and anxious thoughts. No more mental distress and trouble. All will be right and work right. That is the promise of God guiding you, sanctifying you, and will glorify you. We're back in the family of God because of the work of the Son. We are an offspring because of Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Here's this next thing. He told us that Jesus would win. Okay, I'm going to give you another chance, and I'm going to say it again so you can respond the right way. And don't leave me up here by myself. You ready? God is faithful. He told us Jesus would win. He told us Jesus would win. Look at it in the text. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here God is predicting the defeat of Satan from the very beginning. That the battle was already over through the life and ministry of this baby. What you got to realize is at Christmas, we were like the manger. Oh, it's so nice. But Jesus was born for battle. That's a warrior baby in that little manger. Ready to go, ready to fight. Born for battle. Sometimes we just make it so, oh, it's, wah. I'm just trying to show you. And in a way, I get it. But in another way, we need to see it for what it is. The birth of Jesus Christ is spiritual warfare. 1 John 3.8 says, the Son of God appeared, incarnation, to destroy the work of the devil. You want to understand, he's Mary's beautiful ba uh, baby boy, but he's Satan's worst nightmare. What? The angels are singing. The shepherds are rejoicing. Satan is shaking because of what is in front of him. And God says both will be wounded. But here's the thing. A hit to the head is worse than a hit to the heel. That's why in American football, they give you a helmet for your head and cleats for your feet. I've played it. Trust me, you need a helmet. 
And he says, I will, he will bruise your heel. You will bruise his heel. That is a prophecy about the death of Jesus Christ. But he says, he will bruise your head. That is a prophecy about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your brother was laid in the tomb on Friday, but he got up on Sunday. Come on, look. I'm writing these things down. I'm like, ooh, this is gonna get him. <laughs> and you're just sometimes just sitting there like, mm-hmm. Alive. Got up. Resurrected. That means your reality is completely different. I think sometimes that gets lost on us. We don't want to really celebrate the resurrection until Easter Sunday. Right? You're sometimes people are like, oh, he's risen, right? On Easter Sunday, you're like, he's risen today too. We don't got to wait. We don't got to wait till April. Well, it's March this year. But now, laid in the tomb, but he got up. He's alive. And because he's alive, you have life to look forward to. And because he got up. The power of Satan was crushed at the cross. Colossians 2 says, is it 2? It's 3. You were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that has stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Watch this. He disarmed rulers and authority and put them uh, to open shame by triumphing over, over them in him. Hebrews 2 since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Crushed completely at the cross. Satan's sitting there and he's looking when Jesus is dying and he's thinking, I'm winning. And he, Jesus is like, you're losing, bro. Defeated. And here's the thing. Satan at the cross completely disarmed and de defeated. Here's what this means for you. He has no power over you. You have a real enemy that has no power over you because the spirit of God is residing in you who gives you the power to overcome anything he throws at you. That is your reality. Here's the other thing. He can say nothing against you. Satan is an accuser. Here's the way he works. He tempts you into something, and then when you give in, he's like, see, that's who you are. He tempts you, and then he heaps condemnation. And what does the Bible say, though? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've confessed, if you've repented, if you've taken ownership, if people have extended forgiveness, you're good. If God has forgiven you for your sin, why are you condemning yourself and allowing Satan to heap new condemnation on something that God says, as far as the east is from the west, so I've removed that thing from you. Live in the gospel freedom that God has given. It's okay. The young one said amen. Say it loud, brother. It's okay. That's right. No condemnation. He can say nothing against you. Here's the thing. He cannot stop God from using you. Sometimes we wonder, can God use me? Oh, yeah. 
Can God take my life and do something special with it? Oh, yeah. He is. And Satan can do nothing to stop it. Through our witness and our service to God, God is using your toil and your labor, which scripture says is not in vain. He is using it to build and advance his kingdom. I heard somebody, well, the person who said it was me, so I'll say it. He said one time, you cannot stop kingdom growth because you cannot stop the king. It was me. But it's true. You can't stop kingdom growth because you cannot stop the king. And when you choose to participate, when you choose to use the gift that God has given you, when you choose to bless and step into the work, God uses that. He says, yes, make me proud and step into the labor because I'm doing a special and beautiful thing through your work. Here's this next thing. The destruction of Satan will be complete when Jesus comes. His full destruction will be complete when Jesus comes. Revelation 16, 20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Sorry, that should be Romans 16, my bad. Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Sometimes I mess up at my job will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Revelation 20, verse 10, says the devil who, who, while the devil who had deceived will be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Cain said this last week, Satan's already defeated. The battle is already over. He knows what's coming and he can do nothing to stop it. And here's the thing. He heard it from the beginning. Oh yeah, Yogi feels it. We're in Revelation, but he heard it at the start. Fighting a losing battle. Here's what I love about God. He keeps nothing from you. He keeps nothing from you. He wants you to know about yourself. He wants you to know what's coming to you. But he tells Satan the same thing. You're a deceiver. You're a liar. You have, you have caused my people to fall into rebellion, but your days are numbered. Over from jump, from get-go, it's done. Knows from the beginning. But here's the thing, even though this is true, he is still active. And when you know you're losing, you fight harder. And he fights hard. He fights. He's still trying to deceive. He tries to deceive us, but we guard against that by being in the scriptures. He tries to destroy your faith, but the Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. And so when you open the word, as hard as that is sometimes, and, and maybe you're like, I struggle to read it, get an audiobook. But when you allow the scriptures to flow into your life, you are playing very good defense. For the deceptions that come, 
Scripture shows us how to navigate the deceptive path that sometimes he puts in front of us. He is also trying to discourage us. He is working to try to discourage us. That is why you and I, and I really need this one, to need to hold on to the promises of God and what God has said about us. And we need to, to practice and embrace prayer, asking God in the midst of the spiritual attacks that can come, in the midst of the opposition that can come, that we would be people who hold on to the truth and that God would hold on to us, that God would sustain us in the midst of the discouragement, that God would bring to things, things to mind that will remind us of what is true. We need to be people who labor in prayer and hold on to the promises of God because Satan is always trying to get you down in the dumps. And God says, no matter what is going on in your life, there is always a moment for joy, not some false joy that's just about, you know, things are really good right now, but true joy because things are always good between you and God if you are in Christ. And so we hold on and we, we hold on to what God has said and we go to God in prayer. Help me. I'm discouraged. I feel defeated. Sustain me. I don't think I can do that thing that you're calling me to do tomorrow because of the discouragement. But would you carry me through that thing? I feel like I'm not having any joy in the things that I, I usually am joyful about because of the discouragement. Would you help me not to check out? Would you help me to be present in the moment? God, I feel discouraged. But in prayer, I'm asking you, to help me to stay in the spot where I never lose hope. Because I have the weapon of prayer. Because I have a father who loves me. And this thing that looks unfixable, this thing that is, is, is not going the way I expected, I believe, God, you can help me through this thing. This misstep that I have made that has put me into this spot and it's discouraging me. God, I believe you can actually carry me through and pull me out. This unexpected health thing, this unexpected trouble that is going on in my body, that is discouraging me. God, through prayer, I believe you can heal me and make it right. God, I believe that even if you don't heal me, that there's a day coming that you're going to heal me. Because when I see him, I will be made like him. Yeah, I'm discouraged. Yeah, I feel defeated. But none of that is true if God is on my team. Because God loves you and never leaves his children. God never makes a promise to you and then doesn't fulfill it. Isn't, isn't the scripture that we're looking at today saying that? Satan's also trying to divide. Deceive, discourage, divide. But we can protect against that by resisting the temptation that sometimes comes. Sometimes our sin, if we give into that, can cause breaks and division. We can resist the, the, the division that he's trying to cause by actually just following up with each other. Sometimes there's a, there's, a there's a divide between you and the person because you're just not really telling them what's going on between you and them. And people don't know what they don't know. They can't repent of what they don't know. They can't make right what they don't know. And if you don't follow up, 
If you are not willing to speak the truth in love, to go to somebody and say something's happened between us, but I want to make it right, then you're the one who's in danger of falling into the pit of bitterness and causing more divide and destruction as you allow bitterness and anger to drag you to a place that is destructive. We've got to be willing. We guard against the vision by confessing known sins. And we guard against the vision by extending real forgiveness. Sometimes we'll say, I forgive you, and it's not real. And here's how you know. When you start heaping up condemnation on the person again, for the thing that they have taken ownership of. You know, I, I was saying this to Kim Last week I talked about, you know, Nehemiah, he, can, he confronts the people. It's okay, sneezing is allowed in church. He, can, he confronts the people about their sin. Go back and listen to the sermon. When I got home, because sometimes this happens, I'm like, ooh, I wish I said this, but hey, what? I get to preach week by week, so here we go, I get to say it. They, they, I walk through, the people take ownership of their sin. They publicly acknowledge what they've done. They say they're going to do something, and then they did it. And Nehemiah says nothing else. He invites them to his table. Nehemiah never brings it up again. Here, that is a reality that we have to hold on to, because that's how God works. If, you've re, if, you've, if somebody has taken ownership, and you've said you've forgiven them, to bring it up again is sin on your part. You are re-condemning them for something that God is not. And I wish I said it last week, but I said it this week. Yes! Because it's true. And it brings healing to relationships when we behave like that. When we extend true and real forgiveness. When we forgive like God and love like God. God is faithful he gave us his son. Sanjay, you can, you can come. God is faithful. He promised that his son would come and he fulfilled his promise. He kept his word. God is faithful. He always had a plan to bring you back into the family and he fulfilled that plan. He rescued you from sin and the power of Satan. God is faithful he shows us that our wicked spiritual enemy will never win because our Savior, that baby, born for battle, has won, lived for you, died for you and me, rose again, is alive, so that you and I, who are in Christ, will live. A Savior born for battle. A passage that tells you how the story ends. That victory is his and victory is yours. That is your reality. Don't live in anything less. Because if you do, you're letting Satan win and he is lost. Live in your reality. Victory belongs to you because you're in Christ. And you're loved by God. Let's stand and pray.
God, we give you glory and praise. For your word. Because when we open it, when we crawl through it, when we enjoy it, when we delight in it, when we allow it to rejoice our hearts, when we allow it to enlighten our minds, it takes us, I believe, to a place of joy, true joy, to a place of gratitude, to a place of deep understanding of who you are, to a place where we say God is faithful. And I believe ultimately, Lord, to a place of peace because of your goodness. Thank you, Lord God, that because of the scriptures, this one verse that goes from the beginning right to the end of scripture, because of this one verse, we know what is coming. And we know the reality of our spiritual enemy. We know what our Savior has done for us. And we know now, Lord God, what our spiritual reality is and what, our, what is holding and held for us in eternity, being guarded until we make it home, being guarded until we see our Savior, that baby born for battle. And we will see him. We know he's come and we know he will come again. Help us to walk in our gospel reality every day, I pray. And to sing your praise now, we pray in Jesus' name, because you deserve it. You are faithful, God. In your name we pray. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.